Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to incredible people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Lynn Scramita has got to be the best person to talk about the Winnipeg Folk Festival as she's been attending for nearly 40 years, basically grew up at the festival, and, well, she also happens to be their executive director. Although you really have to experience the Winnipeg Folk Fest firsthand to truly get it, uh, Lynn's love of the festival, of music in general, and of the community and artistic culture that the Folk Fest uh, stands for, it leaves her uniquely equipped to explain the magic that is the Winnipeg Folk Fest. It's a kind of place that was built by community, it's run by community, we have such a huge volunteer contingent, and it's a place that feels like nowhere else uh, the rest of the year, and so people gravitate to that, they want to come back for that. I sat down with Lynn to talk about music, the generational impact of the Winnipeg Folk Fest, what to expect from this year and years to come, and how the trajectory of life is often winding and unknown. Because music changes perceptions, inspires imaginations, and impacts lives in a personal and meaningful way. Excellent. Skirmita, thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast. Happy Thanks to have for you. having me. Well, we wanted to have you partially because of... Um, your connection to Folk Fest and the connection mm-hmm. that it has to Winnipeg, but also partially because of our conversation a couple months ago when we uh, chatted about Madeline Roger and Roger Roger and her connection to Folk Fest. Um, we had a great conversation there, and I'm looking forward to this one as well. Me too. Uh, my first question What makes Winnipeg Folk Fest so special? Winnipeg Folk Fest is special because of the community that it builds uh, every year. It is, uh, I think we're at a really good time in the summer, first and foremost, because uh, we're kind of at the kickoff to summer. Everybody's just sort of finished school and and ready to start their summer holidays and and that. But um, it's been going on for now 46 years. And it's a kind of place that was built by community. It's run by community. We have such a huge volunteer contingent. And it's a place that feels like nowhere else uh, the rest of the year. And so people gravitate to that. They want to come back for that. And um, of course, it's about the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, But people trust us to bring them good music, right? So uh, they know that the even if they haven't heard of the bands before, they know it's going to be great. But what's even better is the is the people. Right, and the, the vibe, pe- right? And the vibe, yeah. How would you describe the vibe if you could uh, sort of put it down into one sentence? Oh my gosh, that's uh, that's challenging. Well, because it, it is that community vibe, really. Yeah. It's uh, everybody is nice to each other. Everybody is happy to be there. Everybody is supportive of each other. We have virtually no incidents of negativity mm-hmm. uh, on the site and it's and it's just really special for people to have a place outside the city as well like so you have but it's close to the city so you have that bit of a, an escape element yeah. but you're still feeling close to home and you're and you're with a community that you know and trust do you think it's normal people changing when they come to folk fest or do you think folk fest changes people into more loving when they arrive and and moving forward after that I think people feel relaxed when they come there, mm-hmm. right? And they and and it's the environment that is created by everybody, by that community that that allows people to feel relaxed and to feel supported and to feel like they're part of something that's bigger and kind of be their best selves. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Um, because 
it's just it's just such a you know we typically have good weather not always but we typically do uh and there's great music and it's and you know sometimes people just lie in the grass all mm-hmm. day and just listen to music guilty yeah <laughs> and then you know some people want to go to the tavern and be really social uh and then some people want to be playing in the fields we have a labyrinth and kids run around the labyrinth all the time and and some people are like super like really into the schedules and they've got every single moment planned so they can be at the exact stage at the right time and get the best seat and everything. And so that's the thing is everybody's folk fest experience is unique yet. Um, it, the collective that's created has this bigger impact. It's obviously very family friendly as well. What's your, did you start when you were very young? Tell me your connection to the festival and when that all started. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, started going in 1980. Um, cause that was the first year they had a kid's area at okay, the festival. Cool. So I think my parents kind of kept it to themselves before that but uh, once we were able to go and I still remember it really well like uh, it was in a different area than it is now but there was like artists like Sharon Lois and Bram and Raffi and Fred Penner and um and, and then they'd have these big piles of blocks that we could build things on. We braided headbands and all that kind of stuff. And I just loved it. It was it was such a such a fun experience to 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 be a part of as a kid. Uh, and that, but then I also remember the tarp culture, right? And being with my family, watching the uh, main stage at night and, and everything. And that and that evolved as I went on. It, like it was it was the kind of thing where that was before you had to re- reserve sites right. at the uh, at the campgrounds. So my dad would take our trailer out on like the Tuesday night before the festival started, just so. We could get us a spot for the whole weekend, and we'd camp in the Birdsville uh, Provincial uh, Park, and um, and then we'd spend the whole weekend there, and and that evolved. You know, once we kind of outgrew that, uh, I still kind of connected uh, with it. We'd still go out for the weekend. My my dad would was like so religious. <laughs> In terms of, 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 of Folk Fest, it was one of his his biggest things of the year. And then, you know, as I kind of grew up a little bit and I started going with friends, I, I still continued to go. And, you know, my dad and I didn't always connect in, in the best way. Um, we had a bit of a difficult relationship when I was growing up. But Folk Fest was that place that always brought us back together. And I still remember, like, when he introduced me to Ani DeFranco, who is a huge artist now. But, I mean, he's, I remember him seeing her at a workshop and saying, Lynn, Lynn, you got to go check her out. She's really amazing. You're really going to like her. And so even now, like, and now she's going to be doing a big performance um, uh, for another event that we're involved with this year. But um, it's and yet I've kept on going all of those years. Right. And it's and it's meant different things. Sometimes I've camped. I've camped in festival campground. I've camped in quiet campground just to try out different experiences and and everything. But it's always remained super important to me. I mean, before I started working here, I was in the film industry, and it's very difficult to actually have time during the summer because uh, that's such that's a, a prime time, shooting yeah. season. Yeah, but I always uh, said like I, I need this time. Like, and and I would do things like I would go uh, to get my campsite on Wednesday, and then I would sleep at the campsite, and then wake up at six o'clock in the morning and drive back in the city on Thursday to go to work, and then I drive do the same thing Thursday, and I drive back fr- you know Friday morning and go work all day, and then come back for the festival. You know, so. Um, but I mean, that's how much it, it was important to me that's, and it has been important to me. That's not a, I mean, it is a unique story, but it's not an uncommon one because yeah. there's so many people who were folk fest babies and kids and grew up, essentially grew up at the festival and they, they equate their childhoods with the festival. And that's like how they kind of remember learning and growing. And, and it's really, I think, a 
not a common thing for a festival. You know, you have Coachella and all these big name things, sure. but no one has it intertwined with their with their childhoods like Folk Fest does because it's been around for so long. That's that's right. I totally agree. And the exciting thing now is that we've got that happening across multiple generations, cool. right? So people that are my age that were growing up are now bringing their kids and their kids are growing up in the same kind of way. That's a trip. It's it cool is. to see though, right? Yeah. You know, seeing little kids on their dad's shoulders and you probably know that that dad was there too. How does that make you feel when you see kind of those generational tie-ins? You know, I feel a tremendous amount of pride because it just means so much to people. And I'm so excited that I get to be a part of that. I mean, I, you know, working at the organization, we are stewards, really, right? Like, we need to make sure that this thing is is well taken care of and that it it lasts for a long time to come. And to, you know, but again, we rely so heavily on the community, so heavy, heavily on our uh, volunteers that it's really important that uh, we all work on it together. But I am really excited that I get to have that as part of my uh, career. Community is the big one, I think. And creating this community of like-minded individuals or people who become like-minded once they experience it. It's almost, Do you think that when people finally go to somewhere where everyone is in a good mood, it changes them? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really interesting. We've seen a, a bit of an upswing in the last few years uh, in terms of our audience. And we, we've been doing a, a good job at getting new people out. And the number of people I've heard say, I cannot believe I've never come before and I am coming from now on. Yeah. And that's also a huge uh, point of pride for me as well, because it means that we're doing the right thing. And we're, t- we're t- having people who may not be that traditional idea of a folkie saying, this is the way that I want my life to be. This is a community I want to be a part of. I think it's because, unfortunately, I'm, and I'm guilty of this too, I was a punk metal music fan <laughs> growing up. And folk music has a, tr- as, has a, a certain stereotype to it in a way but once you see folk fest and what it all encompasses it 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 kind of shatters that preconceived notion of what folk or what a folk festival can be absolutely and i think one of the things that we've done really successfully as well is uh you know artistically we have always tried to push the boundaries of what folk music actually is so um we take some liberties you know i mean i think some of the real traditional folkies think we've swung too far in the other direction in in doing that Yeah, yeah it is a bit of a debate um but i think that we still have the opportunity to show people what traditional folk music is while showing them what new kinds of music are. And, and, you know, when you look at world music, I mean, it's such a funny genre because really it's just music from other countries, Mm -hmm. like that tells stories of, of their, their lives. But I mean, it's still, it can be all different kinds of genres. Right. And like you think uh, how more recently electronica has really kind of Mm -hmm. moved into the greater music scene. And so when you have our big blue at night stage there, that's definitely more of a component of it, but it's still featuring music that, uh, that means something to people. Anything that's universal, that speaks to people, belongs at Folk Fest, I think, right? Like it doesn't really matter the genre anymore. People just want to be talk to. They want to be communicated to and they want to feel a connection with whatever story that artist is trying to tell. Absolutely. And that's what sets folk festivals apart from general music festivals Mm -hmm. as well, right? You know, it's back to that, that connection and that community element to it. What, uh, what's the process like for finding artists for folk? What's maybe let's talk about your personal process for finding new music. Like how do you get new music? Where do you go? Where do you go? 
Oh, well, personally, I um, I like pretty heavily on our artistic director because <laughs> he, he is always so got his finger out. Yeah, word yeah. But he's got his finger on the pulse and he's an industry guy too, mm-hmm. right? So he, he knows it first and foremost. I mean, he knew about Casey Musgraves well before anybody else did for example. But, um, but yeah, I, one of the things I really love to do now, and, and again, this is what modern technology has brought, is I will find a playlist um, that I like and just sort of, like it could be a person who seems to have similar music, musical taste to me, but has a whole bunch of different stuff. Or it could be, you know, acoustic folk songs. And then I just like put it just on. Just let it and go and see what, exactly, see what talks to you. Exactly. And, and so uh, there's all kinds of uh, new music available to us at our fingertips now. Right? For, for our generation that grew up in the CDs and tapes world to have like Spotify, iTunes, all this crazy stuff at the tips of our fingers is mind boggling to me. Like, and the ability to discover new music is just at an unprecedented level compared to, you know, trading CDs with your friends back in the day or whatever. Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I know. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a, a, a loss when you think about the mixtape or the mix CD doesn't really get created anymore in the same way where you have that physical thing. But I mean, it's so easy to create a, yeah. a playlist now. Yeah, that's what you right? do. You don't give someone a mixtape. You give yeah. them a playlist. That's I right. Curated a playlist for you. <laughs> um, what are some uh, maybe young or local um, artists that you're excited about that maybe like let's in three years, who's going to be playing at Folk Fest that you that, that's coming up through the Folk Fest system that you would be... Uh, interested in keeping an eye on for people yeah you know we, we've had some really great uh talent start coming up through our young performers program right which is uh, something i yeah, let's talk about that actually yeah. just what is the young per- performance yeah. program I'm, I'm i'm really excited that uh we've been doing that it, and it's been happening for 20 years now this is our 20th year so we're going to be celebrating it a little bit at this year's festival um but it's the it's an opportunity for young people between the ages of uh, 14 and 24 to come and spend a couple of days in advance of the festival working with established folk artists on their uh, singing and their songwriting and uh, so they spend a couple of days doing that and then they come on the Friday of the festival at our Shady Grove stage uh, they perform uh, all day and uh, it's really really nice to see the, the con- again the connections being made between people between uh, the artists and, and, the, and the young people and then and, and even the young people themselves right are, are forming new relationships and, and being able to learn from each other it's, it's the next generation of main stagers that are coming up through the system right absolutely absolutely you know and and we've had people like you know Olivia Lenny who just went on the launch recently uh, on one of those episodes and and Taylor Jansen who was uh, you know part of the program two years ago is now going to be opening our main stage on um, on Thursday night so you know it's really nice to be able to see that that trajectory start with us and 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 I mean we're not solely responsible obviously sure. but but to be able to have a part in those those careers give them a platform just a kickoff point almost. Yeah, yeah absolutely That's absolutely huge. you know and we're also starting to see the the circle close a little bit as well because we've had people like Brandy Zidane and Jesse Matias who are going to be uh who have who have or will be uh, acting as mentors once, mm. uh, but they were once men- uh, mentees themselves, right? Kara Left was another example of that. So it, that's a, another cool generational thing that's happening on the musical side. Just another element of the Folk Fest family all kind of coming together. What are you most looking forward to this year? I mean, we're a month away or so, or a couple months away. Um, what are you most looking forward to about Folk Fest this year? I love the moment when I step back on that 
on the festival site and I just see people everywhere and I just see them all engaging with the festival in the way that they want to but there's the, I see the smiles I see the happiness I see I see the wonder uh, and it, it, there's just such a feeling of satisfaction just to see that whole site come alive you know it's re- it's really interesting just to see it when when there's nothing there because it's way smaller than it feels when mm. you're actually there with it all set up because we set up like a hundred plus tents over the course of the weekend we build a small city there and to see that actually all come together and 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 be in full swing is is one of my favorite things it's probably hard to understand the scope of it when you're just looking at numbers of people or you're just kind of looking at ground floor plans or whatever they're called i don't know the technical term but and then when you finally see the the almost living world come to life it's probably a pretty surreal feeling when you're inundated in the day-to-day and then all of a sudden you see it all living and yeah vibrant. absolutely and one of the great things about it too is that you know life is busy and even though you're connected to people online you don't necessarily get to see them in real life but that is a way like I see certain people only at folk fest every year and it's uh and it's really cool to reconnect with that person and hey what are you seeing what are you liking how's your year been you know and mm-hmm. give them a hug and, and like that there's a real tangibility to that that's really rewarding that's kind of starting to slip away in the digital age that we have so it's it's unfortunately it's a one of the few remaining really human connections opportunities is folk fest right like you don't really have a lot of those moments anymore in the world that's right that's right and that's why live music in general is important too right because it gives you such a a, a tangible feeling that you can experience as part of a collective a right? connectedness yes exactly what's one of the best shows you've ever seen if, if you have a number one best show you've ever seen or one of Oh my gosh, that's it's all so hard because I see so I get to see so much music and there's all already like every it's almost like what's your favorite thing you've seen this year kind of thing, right? Gotcha. Um, but I, I like being surprised mm. uh, when I go to a show and um, you know some of the stuff that we've seen like we had the bare naked ladies a couple of years ago and I was like, yeah, that's great. Everybody remembers the bare naked ladies, but the show that they put on and seeing the audience react to that was unbelievable you know and I and and they just they cared so much they wrote a rap about Winnipeg even that they incorporated into one of their songs they sang the full Big Bang Theory theme song and everything and it was just like I, I was really caught off guard by that and really quite pleased you know to just to see that actually happen mm-hmm. um but you know there in other examples like a, a number of years ago we had the indigo girls um play uh, on our main stage this is uh, before i was working at the organization and i mean that was a band that was really pivotal to me when i was mm. you know in the early 90s when they uh, released like closer to find is one of my favorite songs of all time and to be able to see them do that live was unbelievably rewarding and then there is also Katie Lang's performance of Hallelujah at the 2011 festival, which was, I literally had tears running down my face because it is one of the most beautiful songs sung in the most beautiful way by that woman. And it's, you know, so there's all these little moments that, that come together and create this amazing body of music I've been able to see in my life. So it's really hard to say that one thing has been the best. Great answer. Um, what, are some of the artists that are t- uh, ha- who are some of the artists this year that you're most looking forward to see? 
I always love Death Cab for Cutie. Mm. Uh, I've been a fan. They've been around for a long time, and uh, every time they've ever come here, uh, I mean, I would have been at the festival regardless, but I would have been super excited about this, uh, even if I wasn't working at the organization. <laughs> but um, they're going to be uh, they're going to be really exciting. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Casey Musgraves is going to be a, a real performance to see as well. I know those are the big sort of headliner kind of names, but um, but the you know the production that's required around those shows is is absolutely massive. And so to be able to uh, to see that happen is is great. But I um, I also am still listening to our um, our playlist, and there's a couple of fans that we have out there that create playlists nice. all the time. And so I'm still kind of learning the body of music, and and there's uh, so much, and there really is yeah. so much. You know, I'm I'm really excited actually about the um, the workshop we're doing uh, to celebrate the hundredth birthday of Pete Seeger. Oh, cool. Which will be on this Saturday of the festival. And it's uh, it's going to be a whole variety of people singing classic Pete Seeger songs. So uh, I, I just... I just know it's going to be one of those those kind of pivotal moments uh, over the course of the weekend that are that's really going to typify what what our festival is all about and what folk music's all about because it'll be classics with a modern twist, right? Yeah, that's a perfect a, a, um, description of folk fest because it is like the culture of folk fest is it's, I've never experienced anything like it. How would you describe it to someone who's never heard of it or or has never been? Like just the the general culture that folk fest embodies. I have to admit, I still have a challenge doing that. I still don't do it as well as I wish that I could because it is so hard to to really put into words because it is just such a, an incredible experience, right? I mean, it's it's where everybody comes together and listens to to music outside. I mean, uh, and has and just has a great time, which sounds so pat, really. But but it but it's true because and again, like I, we keep going back to this theme, but the the community that it builds, like the 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 friendliness of everybody that's there, like the tarp culture that's created. Created, the tavern culture that's created you know it's interesting we inter- we actually um, in, uh, surveyed our audience uh, a couple of years ago about uh, the idea of site-wide licensing mm. and um, people didn't want it they you know I, they, they wanted to keep some like you know think they didn't want to have liquor everywhere and I think they're citing problems with children and stuff like that but um, I think part of it is that is part of the culture is is hey I'll meet you at the tavern and if you kind of take that away that's one of those meeting places that's, that's really important right you know and it's just because it's it's shaded and it's somewhere you can sit down and and people are coming and going all the time I think a big part of it is that it is a unique ex- how how important is it to you to i know that you're a, a a big fan of traveling and experiencing different cultures how important is it to experience other cultures it's incredibly important to experience other cultures because that's when you learn and grow as a person right and so sometimes people don't have the ability to go to a bunch of other places so if we can give bring some of those perspectives to Winnipeg that's such an important thing that's why I love some of the world music that we bring and some of the singer songwriters that come from you know parts of the states that people aren't really all that familiar with but it's to bring those perspectives and that and that opportunity for for education and learning and about about not only um, you know the music that's being played but the the lyrics and the and the and the personalities of the people. How important is the natural um, aspect of folk fest and sort of being out in nature and living in the outdoors and experiencing music outside? Do you think that's a, that's an important aspect of the festival? It's crucial. Crucial. I don't think our community would be what it was if it wasn't outside. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a I think it's a really special part of it. And again, it goes back to what what I was saying about it being summertime and it being a, a time of year like we we have extreme temperatures in in this city as we all know. And uh, we're kind of inside for a lot of that time. So to be able to be outside and be with people and be hearing great music. I mean, being outside is so good for your soul anyway. And to have great music and great people around you at the same time is it, it's just the trifecta, right? Of excellence. There's something primal about it. You know, you, you get something awakened in you, I think, when you go, especially the first time, that there's an element of yourself and an element of society that maybe a lot of people don't, if they grew up in the city their whole lives, they don't really understand the, the, the nature of nature yeah. in a way. It's weird. I, I totally agree. And so to be able to be in that kind of environment where you're, surra- you're, you're listening to music surrounded by trees, it, it has this sort of compounding effect on, on the enjoyment of it all. Yeah, especially in, on some of those stages where you're literally, there's trees in the, in the audience, basically. Yes. You're sitting in a forest listening to beautiful music being played. It's pretty, it's pretty unique, and you don't really get that in any other festival I've ever been to. It's cool. No, it's very special. You said you talked about stewarding the festival. It's almost kind of like you it's been built over almost 50 years and now there's it's this giant ecosystem and you're just trying to kind of maintain. Are is there ever going to be like a cap on anything or are you always trying to grow it? Well, you know, that's that's a it's a timely question because this is the first year we've actually said, "Okay, um, we've got a number that we feel uh, we're going to aim for this year because uh, after it gets too much, um, we start uh, it starts taking its toll on the infrastructure, but it also starts taking its toll on the audience experience, uh, which is which we want to make sure that we can maintain. We want everybody to be able to see the shows they want to see and be a part of that. So if there are too many people, then uh, it takes away from that, and and we don't ever want somebody leaving with a negative experience. Well, the intimacy is vital too because it is a huge festival for all intents and purposes but almost every show even on the main stage tends to be fairly intimate because you know it just feels like this connection between artist and an audience so like is that something you take into account when thinking about the the audience experience Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and, and who gets programmed on which stage is also a very deep consideration as part of the artistic programming, right? There are certain artists that fit, that fit better in a different environment than others. And, um, and so, you know, our artistic director really takes uh, a lot of time to think and, and place every single show that we have. Has there ever, like, how much feedback do you get from people? And has there been requests of like, oh, it's getting too big now or, or anything like that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because we got that kind of a feedback prior to making our big site redevelopment project happen, um, which was uh, revealed in 2013. Um, because what used to happen is by our main stage, there used to be uh, a bunch of food kiosks and people be waiting in line for food. And then the audience members that were trying to get to the main stage would have to cut through the lines oh, yeah. and it felt inconvenient. And, and the artists were experiencing a lot of chatter from the lineups and everything like that and so by moving where we had our food vendor area and just creating some better audience better flow, flow yeah, yeah. Um, that we haven't really heard that kind of feedback anymore and so I think that's a really important thing that we were successful in making those changes and not everybody liked them I will I will I will tell you there were some people who just thought it was too much change for them mm. and, and it didn't feel like it was their festival anymore and I and I, I can understand that but I mean like I I, I, 
I think some of those people have actually gravitated back because they've realized it's not so much about the physical place. I mean, that is a part. Don't don't get me wrong. But it really is about the community and the music. Right? Yeah, and just managing growth and managing the change. Because it's always going to have the same essential spirit that Folkfest has always embodied. Um, you're a proponent of Winnipeg. You've lived here for many years. Um, describe sort of the... Com- could the Winnipeg Folk Fest exists without the pe- like without the type of people that Winnipeg creates. Uh, I don't think it could <laughs> really. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because we've seen our audience change a little bit over the years, right? We used to get uh, a significant number uh, more of Americans coming up, um, you know, and, and that kind of changed back in two thousand and eight when the there was the housing crisis and the and the and the whole economic crisis, and then also that was the year that people needed passports to come into Canada, so we saw uh, quite a bit of a drop after that. But, um, but, you know, but we still have a, a loyal following there. But, I mean, we, we have seen more and more Winnipeggers and Manitobans come and be part of this community. And they fit right in, right? Like, we haven't seen our community change, right, just because we have more different people coming in. It's like more like our community, you know, um, teaches uh, the new people right. what, what it's like. How it works. Yeah, so exactly yeah, yeah. what it's like to be. And, and, and it, it's very, as we say, self-policing mm-hmm. because um, if somebody's doing something that's a bit off uh, off the mark somebody else will comment on it right away and it's like hey we don't do that here that's not that's not part of the, the acceptable behavior and it's just like and that's I'm, I'm not I'm talking like smoking on a in a public area around a bunch of people right that kind yeah. of a thing and so um so it's really nice to, and then people really want to be a part of it and they and they realize they well they hear that it's a great experience and then when they actually are there for themselves they they, they understand that and then and then they support it i mean and again like looking at our volunteer contingent we have nearly three thousand people coming to volunteer every year right and most of them are manitobans i mean we do get some people come up from the states and some people actually fly back from other countries mm-hmm. uh, uh often the are originally from Winnipeg they come back to volunteer every year um but that's that's part of it all too volunteers are obviously vital and create this community but talk a little bit about um how important they are to the festival and I mean you've said before that it wouldn't exist without them but just give me give me an example of the scope of everything that volunteers do for Folk Fest we have 58 different crews of volunteers, right? We have like 120 uh, volunteer coordinators and um, and all of the different things they do. I mean, it's from running our traffic services to our performer services to uh, safety and security, um, making sure that uh, all of our garbage is taken care of properly, that it's separated into recycling and composting and, and, and true garbage because the environment's really important to us as well it's um you know so we really need these these people to make this this big city which is what it turns into it's it turns into the third largest city in manitoba over the course of that weekend so if you think about that and what that really means and and the infrastructure like i'm talking water and porta potties and parking and all of these kinds of things we can't do roads essentially yeah yeah, exactly we can't we can't do that alone and make like food uh, and and all of those kinds of things like we we need we need help doing that but it's so big that uh, we can't like we can't afford to hire people to do that either right in order to make it happen but but that's what's made it a beautiful event is because it's run by people who care and who are there volunteering their time yeah because everyone who's there it's kind of like 
they feel an ownership of it. You know, right. we created this and this is our festival. So, you know, like everyone takes care of each other too. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, when you first started the job, what's what, or what's a lesson that, what's a lesson that you learned, um, since taking the job that you didn't know that you would have needed to learn? Absolutely. You know, it is about the volunteers because I, I, I did not have a handle on it. Now, when I was going to the festival, I never wanted to volunteer because I never wanted to miss a single minute of music. I was one of those types, right? Who literally had my, my schedule planned from the moment I set foot on the site till the moment I left. So I didn't have a sense of the number of people it actually took to run the festival site. And, um, and so to learn that and to, and, to, and to meet some of those people, especially the ones that have been around for as long as I have volunteering, is, uh, is amazing. And just how much it means to them and how much it is a part of their lives. Uh, that was something that was really uh, new to me. And I mean, I, I, I guess I should have known better. But, um, but to, to have really understood that and become involved with that is is really important have you has that affected your approach to um city life as it were and just understanding the importance of volunteerism and just sort of the general uh, community aspect of coming together and solving problems and, and making the world a better place yeah well i mean i think my family always volunteered at various different things as well so i think i kind of grew up with that kind of approach already but uh it was always very um you know it was more focused on on things that were like like directly like my dad was a volunteer soccer coach Mm -hmm. and and those kinds of things that had like the more of a direct impact on my family whereas this has been a wider scope Mm -hmm. this has been more of a um uh how does this affect our our greater society and greater community uh understanding which has been uh, incredible are you starting to think about that stuff a little bit more now um i i I don't know if I would say I've been thinking about it more necessarily, necessarily because I mean, and I've volunteered in, in different ways in, in my own career, um, even before I was at the festival. But I mean, it's it's just made me appreciate what what volunteers can actually do, mm. right? I mean, I I always say you know I'm just one person and that kind of thing, and I like to try to make a difference. But when you get a collective of people like that, um, you really see the power of of. Uh, you know, really, it's still a small group of people, even though it sounds like a lot. But um, when you look at the overall, uh, you know, population of the planet, what we do with this festival and what we make with this festival is internationally renowned. And it is because of this small group of people that makes it happen. Yeah, it, spe- it speaks to the power of, of the humanity's ability to come together and solve problems or create beautiful things when they when they're all on the same page all the, all they need is like guidance almost or, or just like systems that organize ourselves yes and you know when you think about all the negative stuff that we hear in the news it's really easy to get bogged down with with negativity and and, and get kind of bummed out about where the world is going but I think one of the things that's that keeps me um, buoyant and keeps me positive and optimistic is knowing that the festival exists and the people that make the festival happen exist because there is goodness in humanity and it, it is exemplified at uh, at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Could not agree more. What what are a couple songs that you put on to improve, like some songs that you just love that get you pumped up or that get you, if it's a workout playlist or something, what's a couple of songs that you really, uh, that elevate your mood right now? hard <laughs> <laughs> could get the phone out and get spotify yeah <laughs> um i don't know how to answer that question 
Because it's there's so many. There's or, just yeah. so many. Oh, like gotcha. there's just so much. Like I, I don't like to listen to a lot of things on repeat. To be mm. honest, because I feel like there's so much variety and there's so much great stuff out there that I just sort of let it all go, you know. And I, I like. I like having that opportunity where it's like sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm not really into this song right now, but I'll I'll just hear it out because it's something different. It's a different perspective. And then I hear something that I'm super into. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. You know, and so I just I I, I love variety in my life. And and so while there's a lot of great music out there that I probably gravitate to, I I love having something different all the time you must love the you know curated playlists and stuff or like just the algorithms that kind of say like hey you like this you'll probably like this like that's Absolutely. magic it's truly magic now. it really <laughs> right? is it really is and then you know then there's songs that i forget that i actually like too right i mean i was uh this is probably not gonna be the podcast but i was driving to work this morning and just like heaven came on the radio by the cure because they were doing something on cbc about it and i i forgot how much i love that song i and i forgot I haven't listened to it for a long time and I think that happens a lot to me with music so that's why by letting it just go um, you often find things that you mm. oh yeah I, it takes you back to a certain time in your life or like I forgot how much I love that song and and that kind of thing too right so um, again that's the beauty of, of, of modern music and the way we consume it absolutely it's kind of like running into an old friend or going back to your you know your hometown and seeing somebody you haven't seen in a while. Hey man, let's go for a beer or whatever it might be. You have that. It's like a combination of nostalgia and just warmth from your childhood or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite quotes is one that, uh, uh, is from Alfred Lord Tennyson and it is, I am a part of all that I have met. And I really love that because it, I am who I am because of all the things that I've experienced in my life, all the people, all the music, um, all the places I've been. And I'm really happy with where I am in life and with what I'm able to do. And so uh, I am a part of all of the great things that I've experienced and, and even some of the bad things that I've experienced, of, of course, as well, because I wouldn't have the resilience or the perseverance or any of those kinds of abilities if I didn't have that. But, you know, like there are certain mainstays in your life like and for me one of them has been folk fest and i am so happy with the way that i've been able to evolve my relationship with the with the organization and with the experience as well from being a kid and playing with the blocks to to being now at the at the uh, at the role that i'm in and and um having more of an uh of a of a regular part well of a daily part it's mm-hmm. my it's my whole life 365 days a year right and and i'm so so i feel very lucky I, I really do. I feel very lucky. Well, that's beautifully said. I love that quote. It's amazing. I think that's a great place to pivot to our just because, which is seven quick questions that I don't want you to think about it. Just kind of fire off your answers. Are you okay to do that? I sure am. Okay, great. First question. What is the first cause that you actually remember caring about? Uh, it was Earth Day. Actually, oh, really? cool. yeah, yep. I remember when, when it just it, happened. I think. Yeah, it did. It was ago. just uh, it was just in April, and uh, I remember. Uh, that was one of our volunteer activities. We would go clean up garbage on Earth Day, and I remember like we were able to get T-shirts, and I really wanted to have an Earth Day T-shirt because I thought it was really important to care about the environment and and learn how to recycle and all those things, you know. And this was like the probably mid to late '80s, and and um, and that and it was really important for me to start thinking about the environment and and what it and what it means and and how we can best take care of it. Are you um, optimistic about the current state of? where we are at when it comes to environmentalism? 
I'm a little terrified, obviously. I mean, I think we have a lot to learn from Europe, who is a lot more progressive than, than the way things are happening in North America. Um, I, I feel like uh, our, our politicians aren't necessarily properly educated on what uh, what we're uh, what some of the decisions that they're making are doing to the planet. But I am optimistic because I, again, we, in, people like in our audience uh, care about it and they are vocal about it and they are doing what they can to make a difference. I'm optimistic purely because of the next generation. And you see a lot of, especially on social media, or you just see, you know, viral videos that go and people really understand the problem that are younger than us and understand that, wait a minute, they need the planet in 20, 50, 70, 100 years. And I think there's reason to be optimistic because of how passionate the next generation is. I totally agree. Yeah. Question number two, if money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your cause? I, you know, this is actually kind of topical because of uh, a few things that have come out in the news uh, recently, but I would make sure that every arts and culture organization had the infrastructure to do what they want and need to do. Um, there are a lot of buildings that are required. I mean, we've, we've had to make changes to our own festival site, but I mean, there are a lot of organizations uh, that use uh, venues like the Centennial Concert Hall and the Manitoba Theatre Centre, Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, that, uh, that need help and support uh, to make those buildings last so that people continue to enjoy uh, arts and culture. And uh, it's, it, capital investments are something that are very um, uh, undervalued and overlooked by uh, by, our, by the governments but I mean also I think even by the public for them mm -hmm. to understand that we, we need to be able to maintain our buildings so if I, if I could wave a magic wand everybody would, would not have to worry about the, their infrastructure and just be able to concentrate on creating their art yeah I think that's a People think that arts and culture is all just about the artists, but there's so much administrative cost. There's, you know, infrastructure costs and things. And the general average person probably doesn't understand all the things surrounding the, the, that aren't artistic, but still need to exist in order for the art to be created. 100%. And, you know, and that it really frustrates me in general with the, in the nonprofit world when people make complaints about uh, administrative costs because we need people to make things happen, yes. you know, and those people deserve to, to make money to be able to do that. They, that's their job. And, and we need those those services, whether they're social services or arts and culture related. And, and so we have to support all of it, all of what uh, an organization needs. I think that's starting to permeate through the general populace is understanding, okay, well, to get good people, you have to pay them a fair wage and to pay, you know, it costs money to, to create uh, the things that we take for granted, I think, a lot of times. I think you're right. I think it is getting better, but it's certainly uh, not been easy. What's the big number, question number three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause that you care about? I think I just articulated yeah, I it actually. Did, eh? yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that it's that uh, idea that um, administration or infrastructure is um, uh, is shouldn't be uh, like donations and things like that shouldn't go towards that because uh, again, it's just all part of creating what art actually is. And the thing is, it, like you can't create art unless you have those basic things. Like if you think about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, all the things that are on the base level are all the things that an organization needs as well as a human being needs. And so in order for the, for, for you to get to the higher levels, you have to be able to have your, 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 your home and your, uh, your maintenance taken care of, your basics taken care of. That's very, that's a great like metaphor for what needs to happen in, in nonprofits for sure. Um, so we've asked this question, question number four to a lot of people and everyone has said there's no time to quit, but I'm going to ask you anyway, 
how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel? Well, yes, you're right. You can't throw in the towel, but sometimes you need to pivot. Sometimes you need to take a different approach to things, right? So, because you know, like what they say, the the definition of insanity is doing things over and over again the same way and expecting different results. You have to make changes in order to make progress, right? And so sometimes trying one way isn't going to work. So you got to try something else. So what what's a what's a criteria that would that has made you pivot in the past? I think. Uh, explaining something uh like how how something works you know if it's not if it's not landing with people um you know if they're not understanding why we program our festival a certain way or why we um have have laid something out a certain way then it's obviously not resonating with them so you have to take uh you have to take a different approach so i mean that's where controversy comes from if people if people don't understand why a decision is being made about something then they get upset and they start coming to their own conclusions when often there is a really logical answer answer uh, to to the reason why. So that is one of the things I always say to our, our team is that um, we can make a decision, but we always have to make sure that we have the why behind yeah. uh, that decision. And then communicate that why in a clear exactly. and concise way. Totally. Number five, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? You know, I... I feel like that's a, a, that can be a very tough question uh, because, again, for the reasons I was articulating earlier about there's just so many different people who have influences on your life and who, who, who you learn bits and pieces from. But, you know, one of the things that I, I think was the best piece of advice I, I, I received was you can do whatever you want. And, and my parents said that to me when I was a teenager trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And that is not a kind of like, oh, just do whatever you want mm-hmm. and, and, and that kind of thing. But it was like, you have the potential to be whoever you want to be and do whatever kind of job you want to do. And uh, at first I found that too, too broad, mm-hmm. too wide. But then I kind of realized that if I feel that I, I want to try something or I want to go somewhere uh, or see something, I, 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 can, I can do that and, and see where it takes me. And then, I mean, I never, it, I never would have imagined when I was a kid or a teenager or even when I was in university that I would be in the role that I am in now I would have never focused my sights on that and said that's who I'm going to be it's through all these different channels and all these different uh, journeys I've taken and paths that I've been on that have intertwined with others and, and that kind of thing that got to me to where I was so by taking that approach to just sort of going out and experiencing the world it landed me exactly where I wanted to be so was that a plan or did it just kind of happen um, it, it, it just kind of happened. I, I've made uh, some decisions in my life that I'm pretty happy with and that allowed me to get to where I am today. I mean, uh, I, I guess, you know, when it came to actually uh, this job in particular, it became a plan at a certain point in time uh, when I knew it was available and I, and I thought that I might be able to access it. But, mm-hmm. I, like, but like I said, I, I would have never planned, uh, I, I never imagined that I would be a part of, of what I am now. Just about taking opportunities and having the confidence to do so well yeah and, and you've got to make your own life you can't just sit down sit back and wait for people to come to you right you have to take uh, the position where you offer your help offer your like take part show up right and that and that will really take you in a lot of amazing directions I mean uh, I I cannot even tell you but I, I've, I've thought about oh, maybe I won't go out tonight or maybe I won't go to that event and then something happens when I do that has made it a hundred percent worthwhile 
I think, yeah, it's basically when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm tired. But as soon as you get to the event or get to the show or whatever it is, the party, you it, you get energized. It's just like getting over that hump to get there, to go out, of the, to, lead, to get out the front door. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right, because you get tired sometimes. But I mean, uh, I tend to get energized by people in general. And so that it, it ends up being the exact thing I need. And then I, and like I said, I'll run into somebody or I'll meet somebody. And I mean, Winnipeg is a wonderful place of connections, right? And if I don't know you, I know someone who knows you. So you, it's really easy to play the name game and, and figure out those kind of connections and, and, and instantly get into a good conversation with people. So uh, that often leads into really excellent things. Uh, question number six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her? Keep being who you are. You know, I think that a lot of people uh, learn things in life and, and they go, back, oh, I wish I could go back and do this differently. Um, I, I think you just have to make sure that you're being yourself and you're doing the right things and you're trying to be a good person and all the, and all of that. So I, you know, we all make mistakes along the way, most certainly, but I, uh, I think that if you don't worry about what other people think, and if you don't worry about, um, you know, doing what your friends do all the time, you know, my parents love the, oh, if you're, you know, if, all your friends bridge. jumped off a bridge, would you do that too? And that kind of thing, you know, I would, I would just say like, just, absolutely be yourself and it it may be again a bit of a, a a cliched answer but i i can't imagine something more important to impart was there a period of your life where you felt like you were straying off the path of who you were or were going to become i i kind of feel like i've always done exactly what i wanted to do you know like i i have a lot of uh you know, almost to a fault, to be honest. I think some people I, I may have let down over time because I'm, I'm focused on doing what it is that I want to do. Mm. And so whether it's, um, you know, it was classes I took in school or places I wanted to go and travel or whatever, like I've, I've really done what I've uh, wanted to do as a person. And I, you know, I, I can't say, you know, I, I, again, I've made mistakes, but I can't say I really have regrets. But you can't govern yourself based on the expectations of others, though. Like, you, you have to have your own compass. Well, and that's just it. And that's why I think I've, you know, I, if I let some people down, and I, I feel badly about that, but I've still been true to myself. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for being a good contributor to our city, our province, our community. I want people to say, you know, she did a good job. She took care of the things that needed to be taken care of and, uh, and did it with, um, with positivity and, 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 and great intentions. And I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's not about, um, you know, re winning a bunch of awards or, you know, public accolades or anything like that. But just knowing that I, you know, I, I did a good thing and that I, you know, I, I kept our organization going in a, in a, in a good way and that um, I, I continue to be a part of something that brings people happiness. Well, I haven't known you for very long, but I'm happy to know you now. And I think uh, that's, you're well on your way to being remembered for all that stuff. So Aww, thanks, Nolan. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to us. Um, Lynn Scramina on the Because and Effect podcast. Really appreciate your time. And thank you for being so honest and open and, and everything. It was great. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Because and Effect. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you happen to be listening to this right now. The subscriptions are huge, so if you see anywhere on the website to subscribe, go ahead and do that. It helps us out tremendously. Thank you for reviewing the show. It's been awesome to hear and read people's reviews and read your tweets and comments about the show. So keep them coming. I read every single one and it really makes me happy to see a lot of the feedback we're getting for the show. Uh, You can tweet me at Nolan Bicknell on all social media or on Instagram. Uh, You can also send your messages or or ideas to at WPGFDN straight to the Winnipeg Foundation to send things directly to them as well. Because in Effect is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation. With special thank you to Robert Zirk, Sonny Promolo, and Jeremy Morantz for production assistance. All music on the Because in Effect podcast was composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can find out more of his music at trentonburton.com. Thank you again for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in and hearing today's episode. We'll see you next Tuesday. And uh, remember, you can do whatever you want in life. Believe that. Bye-bye.